Happy New Year's, oh Plunge Faithful. We are back to recap this year in shittiness and get ready for a brand new shitty year. We will start with some weird stories from the last week of 2017. We'll give you the lowdown on Melania's brave battle against Andrew Jackson's magnolia tree, the greater of two evil Pauls running for senator in Wisconsin, and another classic Cernovich self-own, this time on Reddit. In the pop culture corner, we're finally done with Star Wars, so we're ready to move on to its polar opposite. We're talking about Bright, Netflix's brand new inexplicable Will Smith buddy cop movie, its $90 million budget, and attempts to recast race relations as magical clashes have certainly generated a lot of noise. Fans love it, critics hate it. Where do we fall? You'll have to listen to find out. For story time, we are proud to present the story of 2017. Each of your media-crazed, sleepless hosts will give you a rundown of their favorite, the worst, the best, the weirdest, and of course, the funniest moments in this wacko year that at least some of us survived. It's a wild ride, so stay tuned to hear about new shits The Plunge is getting into in 2018 as we spread into new media, new takes, and content, content, CONTENT! Stay tuned for The Plunge, coming up next. and we are going to plunge the hell out of the whole year. Sam, it has been a wild ride this year. Even outside of the great Trump caper. (laughs) This is not normal. We're going to stop him, guys. That's true. We finally finally made it out of this one. I did feel like uh, 2017 kind of blew by compared to 2016, which was a slow, grueling slog towards the end. I feel like 2017 was just like a blitzkrieg. It was a lot easier this year to just hate everything than have to defend Hillary Clinton and things like that at certain points in 2016. Defending Hillary Clinton aged me a lot. (laughs) (laughs) So speaking of defending Hillary Clinton, let's dive into an article that uh, came out last Wednesday that I just loved. It's from Splinter News by the great Libby Watson, the least important hashtag resistance figures of 2017. Sam, this is quite a yearbook of some of the great creatures who have emerged. Uh, Certainly in my consciousness, I don't think I knew any of these people before. I really don't think these people exist outside of Twitter and their smug conviction that Hillary Clinton is like a goddess and that any deviation from Hillary Clinton and her line of political ideology is just like the work of a Russian Satan bot. 
<laughs> I feel like they just don't exist in real life. Most normal people just don't know who these fucking weirdos are. Oh my god, like that cancel Vanity Fair controversy brewing the last That's minutes. true, yeah. <laughs> that was so funny. They were like, Vanity Fair has, uh, you know, turned its back on Hillary Clinton and the ignominy of, like, telling her to knit or something i I didn't even watch the video i didn't either but it was apparently a joke video yes in which they made a joke that she should like take up knitting as a hobby and apparently that's extremely sexist what's wrong with that knitting's cool it's a great thing to do with your time that's so fucked up people have the weird these people have the weirdest outrage and no one says outrage like uh, Eric Garland. <laughs> so this is the Russia hysteria division, according to Libby Watson. We have Eric Garland. Sam, Eric Garland's been really having some meltdowns in the last few days, but maybe we should go back and just explain like who he is and how he became a figure in the hashtag resistance. I'm not sure who Eric Garland is. His bio on Twitter says that he's a strategic intelligence advisor to, I guess, no one in particular, but... Yeah, he, you you hit it on the head, Dan. He's been just since like last year going on these like extended Twitter rants about how the smoking gun evidence has been found that Donald Trump and Vladimir Putin like kissed and held hands and then wrote each other's names down on the you know collusion checklist. It's it's so, he's so confusing. He has lots of caps uh, lock you know, rants, 65 tweets in a thread, you know, he's very defensive. He has this like really feeble Patreon, which, um, Brendan James, <laughs> formerly of Chapo trap house, uh, got reported by Eric Garland to Patreon. I think he said for subscribing like as a joke. Oh my goodness. Um, he apparently, and like, I think he became most famous according to this article in December, 2016 for, uh, 2,849 word rant about Trump and democracy. But, I mean, he still has a really wide Twitter following. Um, As of recording, he has 170,000 followers. I mean, I just don't know who this guy is outside of Twitter or why we have to know about him. But his rants are pretty funny. They're worth going through. Yeah, it has certainly been a weird year for inducting these public intellectuals, these, like, investigative sleuths who are just literally, like, randos from Twitter. I think you can't uh, have Eric Garland in the conversation without also mentioning someone who's equally fucking nuts, Louise Mensch. Yeah. But Louise Mensch, like, held a job that I can recognize, right? She was, like, an MP, like, a conservative MP um, a few years within recent memory. So she's this right-wing British person. She always claims that she has these uh, scoops about Russia colluding with Trump and, you know, throwing the election. Huge, if true. And she's, like, brought on to MSNBC by, like, Joy Reid and other people, uh who seem to i don't know like think that she has credibility it's crazy yeah these resistance types need one another they like someone like joy reed who's also this kind of like resistance hawk uh needs to have her louise menches on the show to stay current louise mensch was also in the new york times like she had an op-ed in that fucking publication 
So she's not Joy Reid's not the only one. Some people gave her a little bit of credibility this year. I believe that Mench's personal history involves like kind of frying her uh, brain on a lot of drugs, um, uh-huh. and just reportedly she's not credible in these like investigations <laughs> like who knows what like forums she's finding her information on but she like garland you know she'll go on these like intense like tweet storms uh more i would say like in the direct aftermath of the election and leading up to the election but she at one point i remember said that donald trump was going to be executed <laughs> Like he was going to be sentenced to death to death by the government for treason. <laughs> yeah, and Steve Bannon too <laughs> for espionage. <laughs> like, yeah, it would be hilarious if that happened, but it's like, come on. <laughs> it's the equivalent of like political fan fiction. It's, it's fucking stupid. Um, the next guy is Seth Abramson, who I think he's a little less, um perhaps known as uh you know a a fake as these other two but like i've seen him shared in my feed by people who i'm friends with like you know i I don't think he's just like known because he just talks about these like um (laughs) you know russia conspiracies in tweet threads of like hundreds of tweets and he um apparently lists facebook shares in his cv so he's all about like brand building (laughs) Oh my god. Um, someone else they've got on this list is of course our friend Peter Dow. Um We love old the... we love old Petey over here, uh the king of Verret. Yes. Media for the sixty five point eight million. Um I mean, he's the one who brought these important facts to us, facts such as people are still terrified of Hillary. People still want to destroy Hillary. People want to silence anyone who supports her. There are also, I remember at the turn of the, I think it was over Christmas actually, like the past few days ago, he had one that was like, I ended 2015 defending Hillary Clinton from sexist attacks. I ended 2016 defending Hillary from sexist attacks. And I'm ending 2017 the same way. Someone was like, Danny, your life sucks, dude. Like all you're, all you're doing is arguing on Twitter with, uh, who knows <laughs> dude imagine if someone was that dead end for like john Kerry or like you know Lit. mondale like there's all of these people who can't let go um another weird uh grifter twitter account which uh i think that is apt for probably most of these people uh the rogue POTUS staffer, like the rogue government agency Twitter accounts. Um, <laughs> yeah. Really fucking stupid. Like, we all we all hoped they were real for, like, two hours, and then, like, they started just kind of clearly trolling and just posting kind of ridiculous, um, <laughs> you know, uh, hashtag resistance, like, fan fiction, like, we're not gonna let them get away with this. Like, we're watching everything, which, while I'm sure there's people on the inside that um are opposed to the administration as a whole uh they're not like fucking tweeting anonymously to like thousands of people oh man well if it wasn't for the resistance then uh we'd have nobody 
defending us from such egregious acts of the Trump administration, such as Melania Trump's decision to remove part of a magnolia tree that's in the front of the White House. Uh, it had been planted by former President Andrew Jackson, and apparently Melania wants it to go uh, for her staff. Melania does not respect wood, clearly. <laughs> I am amazed by this because you never hear about Melania actually doing anything. And then the last couple of weeks, we saw her insane Christmas decor and the uh, Hanukkah decor that they put out for the Hanukkah party, which we talked about at length on this program. And now we're seeing her commanding the chief horticulturists to chop this ancient hundreds year uh, hundreds of years old tree down and it's just hilarious and then uh, in this uh, article from the Washington Examiner uh, we see Chelsea Clinton <laughs> actually thanking <laughs> Melania for preserving a piece of the tree i guess yes uh, she said thank you flotus for preserving part of a tree i and so many have treasured uh, she also said thank you to all the chief horticulturists you just mentioned and everyone from the National Park Service who have taken care of the beautiful grounds of the White House over the years. Like, th this is uh, a very good example of, like, the utter minutiae that people like Chelsea Clinton or even, like, Melania Trump are getting involved in. Um, it's so funny how so many people, like, turn to racist stereotypes about Michelle Obama. Like, she's not doing anything. She's just sitting around and, like, now, now we have, you know, like, I don't think anyone's expecting Melania Trump to do anything. If you think people are just amazed that she's even there. <laughs> yeah, that she, like, agreed to fucking be sprung from her penthouse to have to sit in this rat-infested, you know, house of government. Oh, yeah, the, the White House <laughs> is a big downgrade. It's drafty as fuck in the White House. I'm sure of this. I'm sure of this. All right. Next we have... Uh, this is interesting because up until now, Breitbart had been heavily, heavily pushing Paul Ryan's challenger in the upcoming election, Paul Nealon. Uh, <laughs> I like but, how they're, they're both named Paul because it's Minnesota, it's like fucking Wisconsin. <laughs> Everyone's named Paul. <laughs> Nealon is dead to us, said Arthur Schwartz, an advisor of Bannon who's familiar with the former White House chief strategist's thinking. So, Sam, do you know anything about this Paul Nealon guy? He's a f extremely far-right activist who <laughs> tweeted out that he's proudly reading uh, this book called The Culture of Critique, which if you Google it... <laughs> It's an extremely anti-Semitic text uh, talking about basically how the Jews run the world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think he also uh, was quoted as saying like something about how you have to like pay a lot of shekels to people in politics. <laughs> He's also used the uh, hashtag "It's okay to be white" uh, hashtag. <laughs> Unbelievable. Um, He's a shit poster for sure. Like. <laughs> He's probably, like, alt-right friendly. Um, it's so funny how someone as heinous as Paul Ryan still manages to have someone, like, 
at least more superficially heinous than him running against him. Not only was Breitbart a huge supporter of his, he previously had published material on Breitbart, but they scrubbed <laughs> his author page entirely from the website. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, man. These people are so fucking lame. This is just so chaotic. Uh, speaking of chaotic, uh, this is just a fun short one. Mike Cernovich had uh, basically the opposite of an AMA, AMA, in which he wouldn't really answer any of the questions that were posed to him, such as, and we all know who Mike Cernovich is. He's an alt-right provocateur, a supporter of the guerrilla mindset, <laughs> a man who has uh, pled down a rape charge to Battery, uh, who accuses everyone of being a pedophile, who uh, is, you know, a real fucking weirdo. He's also an alimony baby. That's correct. He uh, lives off of money from his rich wife and uh, YouTube subscriptions. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, he recently uh, almost, uh, well, briefly got Sam Cedar fired from MSNBC, uh, over a tweet that was obviously satirical that he uh, pushed on Twitter. Uh, so he's a real uh, shitbag uh, piece of garbage, and his AMA went pretty poorly on Reddit. So here's a post. Mike, buddy, big fan, longtime listener, my question, how do you wake up every morning and resist the urge to swallow a bullet knowing your lasting memory on this planet will amount to nothing more than a fecal stain on humanity? What was his response? I sleep like a champ and wake up energized every day. How's your life going? Oh my God. Next question. Hi, Mike. How do you? How did you get a rape charge talked down to battery? The false accusation against me was dismissed, and my initial art ar arrest was expunged. That's why you losers can't find any court records. None exist. Expungement. <laughs> Expungement. Uh, I got one up here. It says, uh, in your mind, what makes the gorilla mindset superior to other mindsets, such as ones that think rape is bad? Uh, and <laughs> Cernovich res responded, why are you thinking about rape all the time? <laughs> really? I don't think the guy's thinking about rape all the time. I think he's just thinking about it, given that he's talking to like uh, pretty much a famous rapist. <laughs> Hey, Michael, longtime follower here. In your blog post titled, When in Doubt, Whip It Out, you advocate for masturbating on top of women who don't consent to intercourse. However, you've went on record on Twitter claiming that masturbation is, quote, a tool of cultural Marxists used to criminalize normal sex. Your stance isn't completely clear. Is masturbating on someone without their consent good or bad? Yeah. Let's end with a fun one. <laughs> are your supplements better than Alex Jones's? <laughs> yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, these guys are just fucking snake oil salesmen. Um, but that when in doubt, whip it out piece is so nauseating, number one, because of the content, but number two, because a guy who literally gave a speech at, like, my college commencement, um, literally, like, he was like a ROTC bro in, who graduated my year. And he literally ended like a speech to like our whole graduate class with the Lord's one in doubt, whip it out. Jesus Christ. Fine moments in higher education. Let's move on to, we have a rather large story time surprise today. So that's going to be a majority of the show probably. 
But first, we're going to do the pop culture corner, and it's the movie I feel like everyone's talking about. The anti-Last Jedi. The buddy cop film featuring modern-day orcs, centaurs, and fairies, and tries to teach us a whole lot about racism from Will Smith's experience with an orc cop partner. Why is there a fairy in the bird feeder area? Good afternoon, officer. Fairy lives don't matter today. That's it right there. I'll take the little homie out LAPD style like you do. Oh, and uh, you keep doing all your gangster stuff. I'm just trying to sell my house. All of the races are different. Just because they're different doesn't mean anybody's better or worse than anybody. Hey, uh, where's the diversity hire? I got a dude in my car. I didn't ask for it, but the whole world is watching. It's okay you don't like me. I'm not out here to be your friend. I need to know if shit pop off that you got my back. Can't hide it, Ward. Humans have physical tells. Like the face. What's my face? The human who needs a lot more conjugal love type face. Do not wink at me like that. What happens if a crazy, funky guy from L.A. like Will Smith has a butt cop buddy, but his partner is an orc, and there's all kinds of elves running around? What would happen? Woo! Dude, so many people get slaughtered in this film. <laughs> um, so let's talk about it, Sam. What the? F where the fuck do you begin with Bright? It's called Bright. It's on Netflix. It's it's really bad. Um, this should start with a big warning. Number one, um, if you're interested in seeing this movie, we're gonna have to we're gonna drop some spoilers probably because we've both seen it. But um, that will not ruin your enjoyment of this movie if you like. I mean, I don't see why you would care about being spoiled for this movie. It's not about the what, it's about the, like, how did, like, this happen? Having said that, when you hear about the what, like, it should turn up a lot of red flags. Like, as Dan said, this is literally a fucking buddy cop film in which one of them is an orc. Um, and they live in this world where, like, the difference between human races doesn't seem to be that great, but the difference between, like, like elves are like, like control the world. They're kind of, I think they're kind of like Jews, I guess. And then like there's humans. Yeah. Essentially there's been race wars for thousands of years. Right. Between the, these different species, the orcs, fairies, elves, and centaurs. And you know, it, it's really just, I mean, outright what an offensive yes. like concept for a film just insofar as like, you need you need these hideous orc like fantasy creatures in order for black people to be acceptable in the world. <laughs> they also gave the orcs um like I think they tried to make it out take it outside of like our conceptions of race because like the orcs also listen to like death metal, which I don't know if is like I think is associated more with like low class white people. Like they're they're sort of like a weird mix between black people and like ICP fans. Right, um, I saw them, I saw definitely parallels to an almost white working class um, thing, except just he happens to be this bizarre species of orc. Yeah, but, like, either way, like, yeah, like you said, it's, like, heinous and offensive to recharacterize the real, like, 
racial structures that oppress people in this country as like some people are orcs <laughs> and they've been mistreated by society. <laughs> I don't understand that I, uh, the more I watched that movie, like the, as I got into it, um, every question they answered gave me just like 15 million more questions about this world in which like, yes, racialized, like apart, like separatism has basically like, I, I don't know. I don't know. Created this like weird post-apocalyptic world. It's equal parts like district nine with, which is actually like a good movie though, but like mixed with just, it's so fucking random. Um, I, I don't even know, Dan, where, what did you make of this? I certainly, I mean, I know it's, you, you could say it's because just it had Will Smith. It was kind of trying to be a sort of men in black, but more of a drama. Um, <laughs> yeah. But just completely failed on so many levels. Like, t- t- for one, the action was just so lame. Like, there <laughs> yeah. the, you know, and this was the director from David Ayer, uh, who did Suicide Squad. Max Landis, who was, uh, after the movie came out, was accused of sexual assault. The son of John Landis, who uh, was the guy who made Animal House and a bunch of other famous comedies. So, seems kind of like a Wyatt Coke figure. He actually tweeted at one point that uh, Max Landis did that in, like, 2015, that the script I'm working on right now might be my Star Wars. And it makes me so excited. He's such a piece of shit. Um, You can't deny the movie taking on racial politics head first not just because it deals with like police and you know sort of uh overt prejudices but like literally it picks from our current zeitgeist with will smith like killing a fairy in the yep. beginning in front of does it in front of like his black neighbors and he says to he says to his he black says neighbors, fairy like, lives don't matter yeah he says fairy lives don't matter and then to the black people he says like oh keep doing that gangsta shit on the lawn like you're driving down my property values and it, it's so fucking weird the racial politics of this movie are like complete dog shit they're so fucking confusing how bad was those um the Mexican gangsters or oh whatever? Oh my god! Like, that was so, they were just the most stereotypical like you know like like Latin king. So I don't even like I don't even know what they were supposed to be mirroring because it was in L.A. Yeah. So I figured it was some sort of like L.A. gang war. Dan, there is like a weird tradition in like '90s movies um, that I. Um, this is actually a good segue to the thing I want to talk to you next, talk about next about this movie. Um, but like the first movie that comes to mind when I mention this is, uh, fucking the second predator movie is set in LA and Danny Glover is the league lead. And, um, in the beginning, there's just like this portrayal of LA gang violence as like beyond like just fucking like all out warfare. There's like machine guns and like grenades and like. It's like a it's like a Vietnam movie or something, but it's like gang warfare. And I like there are a couple other movies that like cast it as like this like Titanic struggle. Um, and I feel like this like weirdly tapped into it. But this movie also te- like was doing this um, with like every conceivable trope. Um, there's a really good Quartz article that talked about how this movie could have been made by an algorithm because it checks off so many fucking like weird boxes in such a haphazard way you know it's funny i've been listening to john ronson's podcast uh it's a limited run show called the butterfly effect and it talks about how um basically pornhub uh has really really like 
killed a lot of the porn industry and it's led to these um the rise in crazier porn because uh they want to get more clicks and the way you get clicks on Pornhub is by hitting like tags in like the categories so you know they try to make like in John Ronson's podcast they talk he interviews these like porn directors who was like who are like we have to you know we have to that's why we make so much like stepmother like babysitter like you know all these different like categories of porn and this just reminds when i think about this it reminds me so much of that because it's like all right it's gonna be fantasy but it's gonna be race and it's gonna be a drama and it's gonna have action stars but it's also gonna have ike barinholtz and margaret cho as cops so it's (laughs) like trying to be funny it just tried to check so many boxes and like the weird thing is like you know it's got a ton of views and netflix is almost like leaned into how bad everyone's saying it is like they don't even care and there's even talk of like people i mean in the press there have been a lot of uh highlights of people saying they liked the movie and that this is an example like the opposite of what happened with star wars that people who saw the movie liked it uh versus critics who reviewed it did not where with star wars it was the opposite yeah let's go into the specific numbers on that um the so as we talked about in the last episode i think uh, most recently um star wars has a 92 percent on rotten tomatoes uh, as far as its critic score goes but its audience score is a lot lower it's at 52 percent there's a 40 point difference there um with bright the gap is even larger but it's in the opposite direction the critic score for bright is 30 percent and the audience score is 90 percent which is just fucking that baffled me when that fucking came out do you think that this movie because i think this represents netflix kind of trying to really set their flag in like big blockbuster films now we know they have one of the most expensive films ever filmed in new york coming out uh, next year the year after uh with martin scorsese's the irishman which is like a huge blockbuster gangster film starring like everybody but like my question for you is like is that going to be a more conventional movie than bright which is like completely fucking bananas well would you argue that bright is that non-conventional or is it just like a really terrible like manifestation of a lot of like bad elements because it was also a boring film i I didn't get a campy enjoyment that i would have gotten out of let's say like i don't know like a men in black sort of movie you know oh absolutely not like uh i'm not saying it was enjoyable in any way like what i'm saying is more that bright was unique to me and that it was such a fucking weird mix of things that not only would i not think would go together but that i never thought anyone would approve like i think that legitimately because netflix published ted sarandos who's the head of uh programming at netflix had a producer credit on this like he you know this wasn't just like netflix put it out netflix like made this this is like a computerized movie is what i'm saying is like this isn't a normal a movie that a human would make Get used to this, though. This will become our entertainment. This is how... Yeah, it's disturbing. There's also an IndieWire review of this. They called it the worst movie of 2017, but talked about specifically how, like, the themes they have in the movie, which are, like, stupid buddy cop themes, 
they get repeated like the same lines even get repeated like certain like you can't touch the magic wand if you're not a bright gets repeated like 15,000 fucking times in this movie because like if you're streaming it on your computer or like on your laptop and you're not looking at it or thinking about it then you can still fucking know what's going on at, like if you, Dan did you watch this on like a TV Yes. Yeah, I watched it on like a TV and fucking A, trying to sit there for that through this was just, I was like breathing. I thought I was going to faint. It was so fucking bad. I've never seen such a stupid movie with such cringeworthy dialogue. It makes no sense. There's nothing appealing about it. It's just gibberish. I, I Like I cannot. It's the kind of movie, this is the kind of movie it was to me. It's the kind of movie that you go to take a piss and you leave it running. Yeah. Big time. You don't want to pause this shit, but like audiences fucking love it, which is just wild. Even I thought it was interesting. Dan, you, you sent me that thing that chance the rapper, like started a couple of threads talking about the way, like, I guess the very like obvious and problematic fucking way that the movie recharacterizes race as like difference between, you know, between fucking orcs and, elves which i think are different species whereas different races of people are obviously not different species right um, it would be like if it would be like yeah. if we were racist against like horses or something <laughs> like prejudiced against like scorpions but like, they're intelligent I, yeah i don't know it's not worth it's not worth like contending with that argument the idea that no, like it characterizes uh, race in any kind of reasonable way <laughs> there's no fucking way to contend with that argument because it just makes you dumber to like argue with someone on those terms like just dismiss it but, uh, I, like, he, he went out and said, you know, like, I found the way they tried to illustrate America's racism through the mythical creatures to be a little shallow. But I was amazed at how many responses were like, I liked the movie so much. But it was lame that they made orcs into low-class, I guess, black people. I, I, I don't what know. What did you want? That was the movie. There wasn't anything else to it. Like, what did you like? The, like, really lame, like, fucking zoomed-out action scenes? Like... The what? The twists? The twists were so shitty. Spoiler alert! Like, like he helped the orc is like, uh, fucking what's the orc's name? I don't remember. I blocked uh, out. Jacoby. Jacoby. There were just so many levels to me where I thought they were implying Jacoby was like a lesser black person. Like it was just so weird. I think Chance the Rapper hit it on the head when he said, um, like people are trying to say that like. Oh, you don't need to read race into the movie. But then he said, they literally I, had a lynch. Wondering how you guys feel about the lynched orc in hashtag bright movie. Chance yeah. tweeted, like, come on, they're obviously like visually they're pointing to America's racial history. Like for sure, it's fucking right there. He also said, like, I tried to look at it without considering race, but a few minutes into the movie, they make Will's character say, "Fairy lives don't matter." Jesus Christ. It's impossible to view this movie as, like, not having political overtones, but when you try to read into its politics, it just gets so fucking confusing and stupid because you're trying to, like, argue with how a fucking algorithm or a computer would talk about racial politics. It doesn't know because it's a stupid fucking computer. Like, you know, (laughs) it's... Like, this is just something we haven't seen yet. Like, it's weird how, like... This is how, like, an alien would fucking, like, analyze the way we talk about race or, like, politics in this country. Sam, this movie ran uh, 118 minutes. Fucking excruciating. Its production company literally was called Trigger Warning Entertainment. 
<laughs> one of the first title cards you see is literally that. Good so, Lord. I don't know what the fuck he was trying to say. The budget, 90 fucking million dollars. It's just sickening. Like, imagine what 90 million dollars put to any kind of more hum- humanitarian application would do, as opposed to making a dog shit movie about nothing. Especially when you consider that Netflix is, you know, they're not making extra money on an individual film. They're they're just building their library of original content so they can eventually stop licensing, you know, your favorite TV shows from other networks. I don't know. This was just... I really hope they uh, don't make more fucking shit like this. Well, they are. They're making another one of these movies, Danny boy. Oh, and let's end on the CEO of LinkedIn's uh, review. In case you care what, like, a soft... Another, like, human computer, like, a software executive has to say, Jeff Weiner, the CEO of LinkedIn, said, If Bright, Netflix's upcoming original film release starring Will Smith, is half as good as its trailer... Netflix may be on the verge of doing to first film run distribution what it's already done to TV. Irreversibly disrupt the industry with bright, my friend. Well, Sam, let's uh, put that one behind us and move on to story time this week, which we decided would expand to the story of 2017. We will bring you some of the foulest and just best, you know, some of them, I don't know, it's, it, what, a, what a crazy year it has been, Sam. What a, what a bizarre and perverse year. It's been a lot of batshit moments. I think that's the technical term. So, we'll go back and forth. I think we each have ten, right? Uh... I may have cut some, but I also added some in. It's hard to come up with a final list of just 10 because this has been such a wild year. All right. So why don't we start with, I tweeted this last week, and this is actually what gave me the idea to do this segment because I wanted to pull up more moments like this. TMZ reported that Baron Trump thought Kathy Griffin beheaded his dad. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. All right. Let's talk. What are the chances that this actually happened because this was reported everywhere i mean baron trump is a kid whose life is made on tv like what happens on tv is very real for him he probably thinks that star wars happened and shit trump family sources tell us baron was in front of the tv watching the show when the news came on and he saw the bloodied beheaded image we're told he panicked and screamed mommy mommy (laughs) as it was put to us He's 11. He doesn't know who Kathy Griffin is. And the head she was holding resembled his dad. (laughs) Melania called out Kathy, saying that what she did was disturbing, wrong, and makes you wonder about her mental health. President Trump blasted Griffin for posing with the head, saying Baron was having a hard time dealing with it. Like, way to capitalize on, like, your fucking child. I was up all night crying with Baron. Baron was crying. I cried a little on his behalf. You know, it's it's very manly to cry. Do you think he actually did this? Do you think this is ha- this happened? Yes, I do, 100%. You know, a theory I read uh, this year was that Trump is against vaccines because he believes vaccines to have caused his son, Barron, to be autistic. <laughs> so you think way bigger news in that is that Trump thinks that his son, Barron, is autistic. I don't know. 
<laughs> it could be true. It could be not true. We don't have any definitive answers. It's not like you get access to, like, the presidential family's medical records. Yeah, we did talk about it on this podcast how it's hard to even know about the fucking health and mental, like, competence of the fucking person in office, Mr. Donald Trump himself. And speaking of his, you know, competence or lack thereof, my pick for the number one of this year was an easy one. It's when your boy, Anthony Scaramucci, called Ryan Lizza at The New Yorker to unload about the White House leakers, Rince Priebus and Steve Bannon. Um, this is like the infamous fucking thing that ended his career. He just called Before up. Before it even began. <laughs> yeah, like, he, he, he lasted, like, what, 10 days as, like, comms director or whatever fucking stupid role he held. He said, I'm not Steve Bannon. I'm not trying to suck my own cock. Uh, he said, I'm not trying to build my own brand off the fucking strength of the president. I'm here to serve the country. He just fucking went off to Ryan Lizza. Did not seem to really understand, like, the difference between saying stuff on the record or off the record because of course ryan lizza like instantly fucking published this and uh let's not give any too much credit for ryan lizza who, who apparently has his own like uh sexual harassment fucking scandals he was fired from the new yorker uh since this story uh came out months and months ago he was uh well respected at the time this story was so much fun and it makes me wish we were doing the podcast when uh, the mooch was just coming up because god he was just one of the Truly, you know, other than Gorka, I, I, the Mooch is one of the most fun figures in this uh, mess we're in right now. Oh, for sure, for sure. Uh, and Lizza actually said that he called him back to let him know that he was on the record. And, like, the Mooch, he did not say, don't print it. He doesn't know what politics are. Well, that was a, like a lightning in the bottle moment that I don't think we'll really have ever have again. Or maybe we will. Why don't... You know, Why don't we just pray that uh, the Mooch is around in the same way that, you know, uh, Caitlyn Jenner type, you know, they're they're in the news occasionally, but, yeah. you know, for nothing really important. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, why don't we talk about a moment this year that had me screaming at the television. I was watching this with my mom and dad, who didn't know anything about who Milo Yiannopoulos was. Bless uh, their hearts. Right. We, you know, I was home on a Friday and Bill Maher was on and Milo was on. Now, this was controversial because leading up to it, Jeremy Scahill, uh, who we really like from The Intercept, uh, canceled his appearance on the real time show because he did not want to be on the show with this uh you know, ridiculous, provocateur, like, it's not even going into who, you know, Milo is. He's an atrocious person uh, associated with uh, the alt-right, Gamergate, uh, and all that stuff. So Mar had him on, uh, and he just complimented him the whole time and told him he reminded him of a young Christopher Hitchens. Um, Mar said of Scahill... Stop taking the bait, liberals. The fact that they are all freaked out about this little impish British fag. <gasps> wow. I mean, Bill Maher is such a fucking... Uh... And not to mention, I said the N-word to Ben Sass this year. Yeah, like... yeah. I'm surprised that... Uh, people are going to be a little surprised that your Bill Maher mo moment is, like, not the, the house, uh, you know, statement. 
and I mean, Scahill didn't just drop out because he's liberal. He literally said, I'm protesting this. Uh, this is the quote, because Mar offered Yiannopoulos, quote, a large, important platform to openly advocate his racist, anti-immigrant campaign. I don't think that's that complicated. It's the same nope. thing as saying, like, don't treat the Charlottesville Nazis with, like, a more importance than they deserve just because they're on TV, you know? If I was Jeremy Scahill and I was, like, a very well-respected fucking journalist, I would not want to share a fucking, like, panel with Milo Yiannopoulos. He's just like, you know, I know you are, but what am I? I yeah. <laughs> I mean, he, he literally, I mean, Larry Wilmore was, uh, you know, there and he kind of, he was a little more, uh, perhaps dismissive of Milo than Bill. And this was really a low moment for a very low man. Um, and, uh, you know, Bill, uh, a week later when, uh, that pedophilic statement from Milo came out and pretty much everyone on the right wing uh, distanced themselves from him and his book was canceled from uh, Simon & Schuster. Bill fucking took credit and was like, everyone should pat me on the back for, uh, you know, shining a light on the ant and, you know, we'll see who he is, putting a magnifying glass in him, and then everybody would find his uh, skeletons in his closet. And it's like, fuck off. Yeah. He loved him. He loves him. Because, again, Mar is, uh, like, socially liberal, except when it comes to, like, being, like, PC. He believes politically correct culture is ruining college campuses. He believes Milo should be able to speak without being protested. It's absurd. Yeah, I think Bill Maher is uh, really someone we should probably just leave behind as we move forward into this uh in this era, as, like, I guess, you know, lots of entertainment figures are just sort of falling apart based on either their sexual misconduct or, like, racist shit they say. We should embrace the ones who it's very good to see, you know, gone. Absolutely. Uh, that was some shit TV, and don't worry, we got more. Sam, what do you got next? Okay, so my number three moment. Um, the fact that people want to go into the streets because of this shit is corny, but... When Trump fired James Comey, I was like, oh, shit. I was like, we got some next level weird executive branch drama going on right now. <laughs> I, that was... was crazy because, well, not only because obviously like firing the man who's investigating you is so problematic, but because he unabashedly like admitted it. I, I believe it was on Meet the Press or one of the Sunday shows. Let's let's link to the audio if it's there. Yeah, for sure. I was going to fire Comey knowing there was no good time to do it. And in fact, when I decided to just do it, I said to myself, I said, you know, this Russia thing with Trump and Russia is a made up story. It's an excuse by the Democrats for having lost an election. All right. So, you know, that was one of the times that cemented for me in my head that like, no, he's going to admit, he's going to do do illegal, like, really problematic shit. Just say it outright, and literally nothing will happen. He's not accountable as the, like, executive, uh, like, like, nobody cares. As Nixon once said, when the president does it, that means that it is not illegal. I mean, because everyone's been like, he's going to be trapped by this, or he can't possibly do this. I'm like, you fucking idiots don't know how political power works. You don't have to, like, always follow the exact letter of the law. You can disregard people. You can, like, unfollow the law. You can fucking do what you want and seize power, because that's what being on the right wing is all about. Like, 
<laughs> it's insane that people have forgotten that like i guess political strongmen can do stuff like that and have yeah it's just a moment from this year that cemented that like we're in a time now where there is nothing off the table in terms of you know what's coming up and what trump will do in order to I mean, what, what else can you say about it? It was a paranoid move, I think. I guess. Or it was a power move. I mean, he, he, <laughs> I, it's really difficult to, like, uh, estimate his political calculus given the different people who have been advising him and how quickly they've come and gone. One terrible thing about this was that it led to the, like, bayification of <laughs> James Comey. <laughs> which yeah! That happened... That's happened to so many people this year, and with Comey, it's, like, particularly irritating, because he's a fucking, like, Republican, like, <laughs> FBI agent, he's, he's, like, a, he's, he's a, a fucking, fucking cop. cop, he's a cop. God damn it, I remember that, and everyone who fucking hated James Comey, and was like, James Comey cost Hillary Clinton the election, after that, was like, oh, James Comey is so dreamy, I was so fucking angry, I was just like, you fucking... You goons have no true political allegiance other than, like, what you see on, like, fucking Instagram. Yeah, it was, I mean, the same fucking, right, like you said, it's the same fucking person who dropped the bomb that probably led to Hillary's, like, undeniable, like, loss in the Electoral College. But let's not devolve into that again, because that was 2016. Sam, may I enter... Another great meme moment from this year. Great men of 2017. One of the greatest men of 2017 was this guy Trip on Instagram, who really loves his thick wife and her curvy body. <laughs> I love this woman and her curvy body. As a teenager, I was often teased by my friends for my attraction to girls on the thicker side, Ones who were shorter and curvier, girls that are the average, basic, bro, might refer to as chubby or even fat. Then as I became a man and started to educate myself on issues such as feminism and how the media <laughs> marginalizes women by portraying a very narrow and very specific standard of beauty, thin, tall, lean, I realized how many men have bought into that lie. For me, there is nothing sexier than this woman right here thick thighs big booty cute little side roll etc her shape and size won't be the only one featured on the cover of cosmopolitan but it's the one featured in my life and in my heart fuck you there's nothing sexier to me than a woman who is both dude this is halfway a woman who is both curvy and confident this gorgeous you're not reading the whole thing oh god all right let me just fit. Let, let me just let me just go let me just go to my favorite part a real woman is not a porn star or a bikini mannequin or a movie character. She's real. She has beautiful stretch marks on her hips and cute little dimples on her booty. <laughs> Girls, uh. don't ever fool yourself. I think you have to fit a certain mold to be loved and appreciated. There is a guy out there who is going to celebrate you for exactly who you are. Someone who will love you. Ugh. I, I just <laughs> to be fair I'm okay, so so let me, let's just clarify uh, let's just clarify we're not groaning because like it's gross to appreciate thick no women. it's we're, we're groaning, groaning because this because guy like, is like celebrating himself is, for literally nothing yeah. like like you you like a woman 
Like, shut the my fuck penis up. becomes hard when I look at this one woman, and that makes me a fucking hero. Like, How fucking patronizing is it in the in the end when he's like, "There is a guy out there who's going like, fuck <laughs> you." Uh, yeah, I feel bad for the thick wife. Uh, like she, I, yeah, she really got like. Well, he got dragged. She should be in a social media protection program. Like, if your significant other drags you into some like embarrassing social media. Th- like shitstorm where now like you're like the the you know t- you're the fucking like poster child for having your boyfriend go on this like fucking patronizing rant like you should be relocated and ha- be able to like avoid the fucking shitstorm oh the new york mag article about this uh are uh, aggregated some funny tweets uh responding to this uh foolish man uh Strong contender for a least fave type of male feminist is a man who thinks liking curvy wife is revolutionary. Another one. (laughs) It's been like three hours and I still want to physically fight I love my curvy wife and her cellulite Instagram dude. Another one. Excited whispers. He doesn't hate his curvy wife. What a progressive hero. Why my very curvy wife very recently filed for divorce. Oh, and my... (laughs) That's the best one. One of my favorite uh, tweeters is at Patty Moe. So that Instagram guy is a hero for loving his curvy wife. Folks, if they met my ex-wife, they'd give me the Congressional Medal of Honor. <laughs> yeah, this oh, is just man. one of those ridiculous... That guy was a joke. Yeah, one of those ridiculous in, uh, internet moments. Like, I don't really think that this is the kind of thing that, you know, a, a progressive, open-minded person needs to flaunt. Like, that's just should be the base level of, like, I'm not going to, like, hate people because of their size. You're not doing anyone a favor. But um, speaking of not doing anyone a favor, and speaking of the thicker people in the world, my number four moment of the year is my former governor, Chris Christie, on the fucking beach. Thick. By himself, with his family, like a fucking boss. The beach was closed. Just like he closed the lanes on the bridge. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's Beachgate. The dude fucking closed the beaches through some budgetary bullshit that, you know, some very New Jersey style, like, fraud. And the motherfucker was then photographed on this stupid fucking beach, which actually, I mean, damn, we're both from New Jersey. We know that Jersey beaches are beautiful. This does look like a really nice beach. Yeah, but he shouldn't be able to have it to himself and his, like, (laughs) and his, like, like, body suit. Like, of course, he's not going, like, tits out. He knows they're going to paparazzi the shit out of his like fucking big ass like ass his flesh. his fleshy his fleshy like like thighs i mean he literally was quoted as saying like that's just the way it goes run for governor and you can have a residence like you know honestly i, I think if i was gonna be like a corrupt governor of a, like a corrupt state like new jersey i'm getting a fucking beach vacation out of it you know like <laughs> i thought it was a kind of a boss move Yes, it's, you know, him going out on a high note, saying goodbye to the public sector with a big, like, you know, fuck you, I'm gonna take my kids to a beach that I closed, and with my, like, private escort, with gas that you got, that you pay for, and, you know, shit myself on the beach, and, you know, (laughs) eat ice cream, and, you know, rub my tits together. Sun's out, fupa's out. (laughs) Uh, All right, Dick, it's your number five moment. Oh, this one's bad. This one's bad. Kofefe. Kofefe, for a brief shining moment, was really funny. 
Trump made a typo in some tweet. I'm not even going to read it. I just want to say it became one of the worst jokes of the year. Like the hackiest, worst jokes came out of Kefefe like the day after. And then we were just suspended in like this garbage ever since. Dan Obama would never have made such an egregious typo. Kefefe is not how you spell coverage, nor is it how you spell coffee. But I would like to add, don't talk to me until I've had my Kefefe. The funniest thing were like the Pepe, like Kekistan people claiming that it was what? some sort of like Egyptian reference. That that was a <laughs> that was a thing. It's so absurd. They were like, yo, Trump is, like, fucking really going deep on his references. It's like, no, he literally just was, like, like blasting shit out of himself and, like, like missed a mark and, like, sent a, a misspelled tweet and then couldn't delete it because he doubles down on everything because he's a fucking dope. Falls asleep, like, one of his fat rolls hits said <laughs> tweet. Uh, speaking of moments that were maybe not as embarrassing as Kofefe, my number five moment is when the Migos and Joe Budden and DJ Academics got into a tense confrontation over the song, one of the great songs of this year, Bad and Bougie. Um, DJ Academics, who is currently beefing, I think, with Jesus and Miro inexplicably, he asked Takeoff from the Migos why, if he was upset that he was left off the song bad and bougie because he does not have a verse on it and he responded by saying does it look like i was left off bad and bougie you know referencing his jewelry rhetorical um, question there you know young rich niggas you know so we ain't really never had no old money we got a whole lot of new money though Hey! Raindrop, drop top, drop top, smoking on cooking the hot box. Cookies, fucking on your bitch, yeah, that, that, that. Cooking up dope in the crock pot, pot. We came from nothing to something, nigga. I don't try nobody, grit the trick. Nobody call up the gang and they come. Right. DJ Academics um, sounds like a kid on an internship and doesn't know what Takeoff is saying and goes, like, excuse me, like four times and Takeoff just repeats himself repeatedly saying like oh does it look like i was left off bad and bougie then fucking joe budden is like why am i listening to 20 year olds argue with one another like i'm an adult and stands up and walks away and the three migos stand up to defend their honor and they're all wearing like floral shirts and they like square up they look sort of like the like the three musketeers or uh or like um i think people were comparing it to prince in that dave chappelle skit when he wants to like play basketball against charlie murphy but uh all in all we'll probably we should play the audio from it it's a great video and i think it's an important cultural touchdown moving forward i feel like there's like a running joke with with you being left off bad and boost i ain't left off bad and boost you think i'm left off bad and boost say again you say i'm left off bad and boost what's that you say i'm left off bad and boost yeah do it look like i'm left off bad and boost What'd you say? Do it look like I'm left off bad and bougie? Nah! Yeah, I mean, that's one thing I like about the group. Because ever since when you went in jail, even though you might see one or the other, y'all move as a collective. All right, we got to wrap this up, though. Glad you were able to uh, talk about that on the show, because, yeah, outside of a few of their hit songs, I haven't uh, delved too much into Migos. <laughs> you don't know any Migos songs? I know bad and bougie. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, yeah, you like you don't know, like, T-shirt? No. Or... 
Fight Night. Let's play a drop from one of them right now. All right, we'll play we'll play Fight Night. That's a good one. If you know me, know this ain't my first way. Certified everywhere, ain't got a print resume. Take out LA. Talk crazy, I pull up underlay. RP Nate, dog. I had to regulate. Pocket rocket fire, watch him disintegrate. This is Lord, Lord, coming on the industry. Sir, last night, all of my dinner plate. You may be, so she wanna make a sex Nice, alright. Uh, next on my list is. I mean, I'm putting these two together because they were both so absurd. It's the TPUSA diaper stunt, which we covered on this show in one of <laughs> yeah. our first episodes. Combined with this story about these alt-right guys not wiping their asses because it's too gay. It is too gay. So I, I don't wipe my ass either. Let's just go back for those who might not have heard our episode where we discussed this. What was Charlie Kirk's Turning Point USA diaper stunt it was kent state i believe it was kent state i i I don't know if turning point usa i guess it apparently has some Koch brothers funding it's just like a one of these generic like free market solutions like reactionary groups and apparently one of these members dressed up like literally in a in a diaper with a shirt tucked into the diaper um and said that he was a liberal and that he would needed a safe space and that he was like so sensitive he was like a you know a snowflake or something like that um and he was so he dressed up as a diaper to own the libs and this started this obsession on the left with these fucking morons on the alt-right or just even the the more general right wing um on twitter and on the internet doing more increasingly self-destructive like stunts to own the libs like eating Trump's diet, which we also discuss on this show, like the two quarter pounders and the two filet of fish, to be like, haha, libs, I ate it and I didn't die. Owned. Uh, or like eating Papa John's. Forcing the libs who work at Starbucks to write like MAGA Trump on the cups and then call it out. Owned, libs. So in that same vein, there were several, I guess, Reddit posts about men from the alt-right who never ever touched uh toilet paper because it's gay um one wife posted uh, about her husband's uh habits and this culminated in her confronting him and she said he got pissed and screamed in my face he told me that a real man doesn't go in between his cheeks or spread them open for anything men do not spread their cheeks to wipe or clean Nothing goes between them. What needs to happen here? Suggestions, advice, no bashing. Jesus Christ. Oh, man. I mean, shout out to all the ladies out there who are dealing with uh, a man who will literally not wipe his own ass because he thinks it's gay. Like, hang in there or just dump the dude. Get rid of him. Yeah, it's, it's just absurd. Like, what... Why would you want to walk around, like, covered in fecal matter your entire life? Well, I guess it's easy if you're wearing a diaper like the fucking guy (laughs) who you originally started talking about. Uh, All right, what's next? Next, uh, we have um, one of my favorite tracks of the year was Sheether by Remy Ma, where she disses Nicki Minaj. And uh, we'll play the audio from it here. 
They told you your whole career I'd come home and kill you, right? I told you I wasn't talking about your dumb ass and look stupid. You literally got a dumb ass talking crazy. And we all know that you dumb ass. You get donkey of the day. Yeah, you dumb ass. Let's be honest. You stole a line about bitches being your sons. How you take my 09 jail tweet and run? Talking about bringing knives to a fight with guns when the only shot you ever took was in your guns. Dan, this is like one of the most savage takedowns of any rapper I've ever heard. Um, Nicki Minaj really has not recovered. She has strength in numbers, but um, I thought it was ballsy, and I think we'd be remiss not to mention it. Um, <laughs> so, what is this list then? It's the top moments. It's the <laughs> it's the the moments. These are just the moments yeah. of. They're not up or down. They're just some memorable. of them are. Mo- yeah, some of those moves. So this this moves us forward. She there, I think, is a, a step in the right direction. Like we all knew that Nicki Minaj's music was pretty like overrated, but we wanted to like her. So it was great that Remy Ma came through and like set the record straight that we can you know dislike Nicki Minaj without people telling us that we're bad feminists or something. At any rate, I think it was important to include. What what else do you have for us, Dan? Well, this, in the same vein, was a story that truly inspired me and I think would bring us uh, closer to the future that we need in the world. This was Kurt Eichenwald sharing a picture that included a tab he had open of tentacle porn. (laughs) Now, Sam, Newsweek's Kurt Eichenwald is this really lame, like, liberal guy who famously... Um, after the election tweeted, like bragging that he wanted to punch someone in the face because they voted for Jill Stein. (laughs) (laughs) If you look at a picture of him, he's so fucking like, he just looks like just like a feeble man. He famously was sent a gif, uh, by uh, like a member of the alt-right that gave him seizures, um, because he's epileptic. Um, oh, so that's triggered that's lib. Um, God. then he also, Sam had this extremely bizarre tweet, which I couldn't like pull it up because I didn't want to go through this guy's fucking like year of tweets, but Eichenwald tweeted something to the effect of like, I sat down with my family friend's son who happened, who happens to be African-American and told him that he should do anything a cop tells him to do, period. I did not have to tell this to my own son, because he's white. And it's like, Uh... why are you just, like, lecturing people, like, children about, like, the police? Uh, I mean, that's just, like, a general, like, liberal racist trope. Is like, sigh, I wish that, like, black people had better parents. It makes no sense. It's nonsensical. You're right to not engage with that line of argument. But uh, more specifically, Dan, you're talking about like his tentacle porn thing where he said his tweet. I'm going to read it directly because it's too weird to be made up. Um, He says, sigh. Okay, I'm a dumbass. Believe it or not, my kids and I were trying to convince my wife that tentacle porn (laughs) existed. I tried to find some to show her it was real, but I couldn't find any. And I ended up with this. My family reads my Twitter feed so they know this is true. So he confessed to the world that he was like looking at trying to find tentacle porn and blaming this on his family. Ah, uh, the classic. The tentacle porn was for my wife and children. Excuse, says in the AV Club article. That really was like the talk of the town for a couple days. Yeah, we were all dunking on him on Twitter about that. 
Uh, what do you got next? My number seven is Tyrese Gibson. Yeah, Tyrese. Um, um, now, I remember this year was big for Tyrese and his beef with The Rock, which, like, you don't hear about The Rock having a ton of beefs. Right. Well, I think it's, it's a pretty one-sided beef in two ways. Number one, in that Tyrese is seems to be angry at The Rock, not the other way around, because to The Rock, Tyrese is just, like, a little, like ant like in terms of his career and his physical size um the rock is this like world striding colossus of his success and tyrese literally just has like the fucking fast and the furious movies where like they only include him because they have to and like i don't know what else he does but um i guess this year he was in a new film in which he uh posts an emotional plea um amid his contentious custody battle for his only child, uh, his 10-year-old named Shayla. And he says, like, don't take my baby. Like, this is all I got. Don't take my baby. And then he starts, like, screaming. He's like, what do you want from me? And he's crying. So, Dan, like, he's crying so much. And he, like, went on, like, I think Instagram to just cry and just, like, broadcast that to the internet. And I think that's a very 2017 thing to do right now. Because we know it's all, like, we all know it's lonely out there. But few of us go out there to just, like, fucking shed tears on Instagram. Well, number seven for me is a film that shocked me. Why the fuck was this made? Charlie Sheen, Whoopi Goldberg, Luis Guzman starred in 9-11, which basically turned 9-11 into a disaster thriller where a bunch of people are caught in an elevator. It's absurd, it's offensive. Let's play some of the trailer right now. We got an inferno on the North Tower on 90 and above. Cannot take the elevators, they are down. I need you to try to get the hell out of it. Holy shit, dude. Now, it's well known that Charlie Sheen is a 9-11 truther. So, just... Uh, why? Yeah, it's a poor casting choice. Maybe the movie is uh, a 9-11 from the perspective of a 9-11 truther. But in that case, it's going to be heinous. <laughs> no, it's not, though. It's literally just people in the towers. Uh... <laughs> you know in it stuck in an elevator maybe that's how they stole and, like they him. have to be sit and they have to be saved by like whoopee in a control room <laughs> <laughs> that that's the uh that's how they sold it to charlie sheen they're like okay charlie in an alternate universe 9-11 actually did happen <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's a fantasy film all right uh my my next moment is uh something that was really I was obsessed with at the time that this was happening is the Alex Jones child custody case. <laughs> uh, uh, my, my children, uh, they, uh, they deserve to stay with me because, uh, I make a lot of money selling uh, alpha brain or whatever supplements. So I loved this because his, his attorney made the insanely amazing argument that, um, Alex Jones's persona on his, te like his show Infowars, is just performance art which, if true, would mean that, like, his conservative base 
would all have to like accept that like they're watching something that like is tantamount to like I guess like what the Colbert rapport or something. Um like, it's something that's like basically not real or it's like professional wrestling in, in best case scenario. Um but it was also funny because Alex Jones I think um stated that he couldn't remember the names of like his uh kids teachers because he ate a big bowl of chili. <laughs> he also claimed that oh, he's big, big bowl big bowl of chili. <laughs> big bowl of chili. Uh, yep. Um he also claimed that he's he... stoned from chili. <laughs> no, but he also claimed that he smokes weed. He claims he claims that he smokes weed once a year to determine its potency. Um so I guess like every year he has to like determine how potent all the weed like in the world is and he determines this just by having like one smoke out in his fucking house um and he says that weed is getting stronger and he blames this on george soros <laughs> i mean of course who else would he blame it on but george soros uh i i wish that like the uh the right wing's conception of george soros actually existed like if he actually paid people to protest and like was just like underhandedly making weed stronger around the world. <laughs> yeah, I'd go to the protests and uh, enjoy the weed. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Alex Jones had a big year. Dan, what's your what's your next one? So my next one, I'm gonna do this one. It's Kellyanne Conway fucking hawking Ivanka's <laughs> shitty Nord products. This was right after Nordstrom's discontinued Ivanka's line, which wasn't selling well. So, not only is this an official uh, affiliate of the administration illegally uh, advertising these products, it's an extension of the president demanding that this private company sell his daughter's products that no one wants to buy because of him! (laughs) Yeah, that was a difficult one for Kellyanne to come back from. Let's link to the audio so people can just recall the skin-crawling moment. Here we go. 30 go seconds. buy Ivanka's stuff is what I would say. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, well, get, I hate shopping. I'm gonna go get some on myself today. Yikes, huh, Sam? It's just wild. I mean, it's so blatant the grift these days. Hopefully, they'll all enjoy their just desserts sooner or later. Next up, I've got a guy. Uh, he's a big game hunter who was reportedly trampled to death by an elephant in Namibia. Uh, apparently, an Argentinian man who was hunting. Um, in Namibia was killed after he was trampled by an elephant, uh, which is just. And uh, just earlier this year, I think a well-known South African hunter was crushed to death by an elephant in Zimbabwe. So I'm glad that elephants have been taking up the fight against big game hunters, who I think we can all agree are just kind of like cancers on society. I mean, such illuminous members of society, including fucking like Donald Trump Jr. And, uh, fucking like sickly cousin or brother eric uh, oh, also that asshole ceo of jimmy john's yeah you know they're not like a good it's not a good slice of people um i don't feel like any discomfort writing off big game hunters as a segment of society so uh fuck them i hope the elephants trample them all yeah, the beasts should at least be able to have an equal chance to fight back if they're being, like, shot in the fucking head and photographed, like, <laughs> fucking products. You want to hear a really hot take, Dan? Sure. Okay, my hot take is that um, it should have been a crocodile to end Steve Irwin's life, not a fucking uh, stingray. 
And there you have it, folks. These are the kind of insights you'll get on the Plunge podcast in 2018. This next one was just a truly bizarre moment of internet. I feel like just inexplicable internet uh, brands pretending they're people. Right. So Tony the Tiger uh, has a Twitter account, at RealTonyTiger, and he tweeted, Sure, Simon Frosted Flakes look great. <laughs> And that tiger on the box doesn't look half bad either. Hashtag blushing. Hashtag cinnamon graph. And it's like a photo attached of a cinnamon frosted flakes box and a a bowl of them. A Twitter user named uh, at Boyvin tweeted at real Tony Tiger. I'd fuck that tiger. (laughs) A few weeks later, Boyvin uh, was alerted by Twitter's support team that he was suspended for a week. We've determined that you've violated Twitter's rules. Uh, and you'll be restored in six days and 23 hours. Uh, this tweet then went viral when his roommate tweeted the very apt, very succinct description. My old roommate got suspended from Twitter for sexually harassing Tony the Tiger. <laughs> That's so fucking awesome. Why why didn't I do that? The furries would love Tony the Tiger. (laughs) Oh, man. He's definitely, like, the hottest of, like, the mascots. I mean, who else is there? Like... (laughs) Okay. Alrighty. Well, um... I guess my last moment is just where we want to the kind of future I want to see, the kind of 2018 that I think would be best for all of us. Okay, so apparently the head of the uh, neo-Nazi nationalists in Lvov, Ukraine, died in the middle of the speech, and uh, this is the best video ever. It just looks (laughs) like the fucking Grim Reaper, like the hand of death reaches down and like taps him on the shoulder. He's speaking, and then just all of a sudden he's just done. And I really think that it gives me more hope than any other, like, five-second video that I've seen in a long time. So that's me setting things off on a bright note. Honorable mention, uh, he's not on my list, but uh, honorable mention Sebastian Gorka and uh, his guns and vest. <laughs> yeah, in, like, what Recoil magazine, which profiled the, the way he's living in, like, McLean, Virginia uh and his everyday carry which included like fucking four handguns or something preposterous like there's just no way he has this many guns on him at all times yeah and he was spotted with his car parked on the curb um in the um area where you live sam and his license plate says art war like the art of war by sun Tzu. yeah i'm always hoping when i see him on twitter like parked in some fucking like weird illegal spot in Arlington that I'm going to, you know, run into him somewhere, but it hasn't happened yet. You know, that as soon my solemn promise to you, the listener is that as soon as I see Gorka on the street or his like preposterous Ford Mustang with the license plate art war, I will photograph it and it will go on the plunge Twitter like immediately. So we have a man on the ground, but my final, uh, just atrocious atrocious moment of the year 
is a few moments from the man who deserves no redemption, Sean Spicer. He, at one point, we must remember, referred to concentration camps as Holocaust centers and started to discuss Assad, uh, president of Syria, critically for his use of chemical weapons on his own people, comparing him uh, to Hitler. He said you had someone as despicable as Hitler who didn't even sink to using chemical weapons. So, when it comes to sarin gas, Hitler was not using the gas on his own people the same way Assad is doing. Like, dude! What are you talking about? This is the guy that Colbert... According to Vanity Fair, I just Googled, Colbert wanted Spicer at the Emmys. Like, he thought of that bit that was so fucking lame in which uh, Spicer wheeled onto the stage with the SNL, you know, podium with the wheels on it. What a And said, ball. like, this will be the largest crowd to witness an Emmys, period. Like, such a fucking garbage bit from a garbage man. And uh, then he got a fellowship at Harvard, which you can Google, and he has a nice fucking bio on the Harvard website. Yeah, let's link to that in the show notes. Just goes to show you can fail as much as you want in D.C. and still derive at least a little bit of success from it. Well, Sam, it's been quite a year. Uh, We're going to be doing this show every Sunday, and uh, yeah, we're going to get through 2018 with the same grit we used to get through 2017. And there will be more stories, I think. Yeah, we'll be by your side in 2018. Whatever they're going to throw at us, whether it's space communism or uh, Sean Spicer using a jetpack powered by Iraqi tears, we'll be there. We'll be tweeting about it. We'll be ranting about it on the plunge. And uh, you can follow myself at W-A-G-S-T-A-N-K. Dan will tell you where to follow him. At Spaventacular, S-P-A-V-N-T-A-C-U-L-A-R. You can follow the Plunge podcast at Plunge underscore podcast on Twitter. I'm also on SiriusXM Radio every Saturday at 11 a.m. on the Talking Shed show, uh, wrapping up the week of the Craig Ferguson show, shows of which I am an associate producer and uh oh listen to the old ones uh mike berbiglia's uh podcast a limited run show in which he goes through his old albums uh i uh was an editor on that and uh yeah those are my plugs of uh, my recent projects and sam what a year it's been i'd like to see you writing more uh medium style articles and maybe we could even do some more uh write-ups for the show oh yeah no we'll be uh I have a Medium account. We'll be posting some We're going to become a content factory. Yeah. This We're going to become a news empire. Uh, dropping all of our takes, all of our write-ups. Um, I'll be putting the, uh, what's it called? Um, the piece I wrote about the pot Comet Ping Pong. You know, this the hub of Pizzagate. That'll go up on the media. Oh, excellent. Uh, we got to get that uh, We got to get that circulating because I think uh, the people need to know. For sure. So we'll have our regular segments that you know and love, like uh, Les Boulets des Mais, our fine dining corner. Uh, we'll do some of our more memorable pop culture stuff. Uh, there's going to be good stuff. And the more interest we get, then probably the more content we'll be wanting to generate for y'all. So tell your friends to listen to the podcast. Retweet it everywhere. And... 
retweet it, tell your friends, and uh, maybe even a video element at some point, which I've yet to discuss with Sam, but I've had some ideas. Um, but that's for another time. Uh, have a great new year, and, uh, you know, keep uh, plunging away. Hey!